Well, hello again, everybody. What is up? We are just, I, I know I said at the beginning today, we're so thrilled that you're watching and listening with us. And here we are in January, the first round of football playoffs this weekend. I don't know if anybody's been on their couch all weekend. Me either, right? Uh, okay, we have a little bit. It's been a, a great time. I, we're stuck inside. There's still some things to be celebrated, like football playoffs, but it's all good. Uh, I am just delighted. You know, one of the things we wanted to do this uh, year is just kind of kick off the year uh, by kicking off our winter spiritual practice of simplicity. And I've also been really looking forward to this time together because we have a guest with us. Uh, Pastor Mark Hazard is with us today. And uh, I said, I think last week, I have just been I'm really blessed growing up in a pastor's home as a kid because I've been exposed to just some wonderful people over the years that uh, have really, I think, shaped my life in the way of Jesus. And it's cool to kind of reconnect with some of these people. And Mark has recently moved to London. He'll tell you a little bit of his story, uh, just in kind of a transition period. And we've kind of reconnected a little bit. And Mark is the regional director for our network of churches. You may or may not know, we're a part of a vast network of churches all across Canada, but also a network of churches that does some incredible things across the world uh, through global missions and global workers. And Mark recently, the last couple of years, has taken on the role of regional director of Latin America and the Caribbean. Correct and oversees our global workers, our churches, and really helps pour in his, him and his wife Val into the global scene there. And I've just been feeling over the last little while, just reconnecting with Mark, that God wants to take us deeper as a community in global work. We've really focused the last couple of years in our rebrand at Praxis around local missions. And man, we're just so proud of all of you. Last year was such an, even December, the amount we were able to give away and just contribute was so great to some local projects. We were also over the Christmas time as well, able to bless a missions family as well. But we want to take this further. And as I've been talking with Mark, I just felt like it would be amazing to have him come, even though we're virtual, and to share with us a little about how we can cultivate this deeper, because this is his life now. So, so great to have you here. Oh, Drew, so thank great. you. So honored to be here. Oh, man. And uh, I don't know if you just want to share a little bit about your family, your background. You've pastored for many, many years. Sure. And then maybe bring us up to speed about this role that I kind of just prepped there. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, thanks again for oh. the privilege of being here. Drew, highly honor you. I uh, was so thrilled a few weeks ago uh, to visit one of your Sunday evening gatherings yeah. and uh, just love the feel of it and the sense of community that uh, you folks have here. Can at I Praxis. stop you and just say, it's so funny. So we had, we've had one in-person gathering in like the last five or six months and I, you slipped in, which is awesome. You were there and you were sitting beside my five-year-old. So I look back, Jonas was kind of thrown off because we said, we're going to church and he was so <laughs> pumped. And then I look back and there was Mark and then my five-year-old, obviously six feet apart. It was just the cutest thing. It was funny to look back. So. Yeah, well, it was such a joy uh, to be there. Sense, uh, as I said, the community, just love the feel of your, uh, your, your gathering, your community. And then really appreciated your teaching uh, last Sunday. I jumped online and got cool. most of it in uh, while I was uh, spinning on the bike. Cool. And cool. Uh, so that, that was good. Do you have a Peloton? 
Um, I don't know where the Peloton is. Okay, there is. you go. Because like, and Heather, if Heather was here, uh, she's watching. Um, I'm just <laughs> desperate for Peloton. It's a spin bike that connects in, and you can like race other people around the world and stuff. So okay. It's like a whole community. You don't have one. But no. Have I want a Peloton really bad? So yeah. You can you can actually race NHLers in like lifetime. So wow. Yeah. Anyways, very Peloton, cool. your stocks are going up, and you get extra props there. So yeah, there, there you, you go. <laughs> so I'm sure it's not a Peloton based on what you're describing. All right. But uh, yeah, I was watching, and uh, one of the things, I love the intentionality mm. that you folks have at uh, Praxis. Everything is very intentional. It's thought out. Everything you're doing is for uh, reason. Uh, love how you kicked off your emphasis now on simplicity. Mm. Boy, what a timely focus yeah. that you're leading. Uh, incredible. And I loved how you mentioned that through uh, covid so many people are missing such a glorious opportunity because they're focusing on Netflix or some of the other things you mentioned. Good on you. I I just so was very personally challenged and uh, looking forward to your series on in Song of Songs. (laughs) Yeah, I I liked how you said it's going to be spicy at practice. So this is a prep for you all. (laughs) Next week, we're actually starting to walk through the Old Testament book of the Song of Songs, which is erotic love poetry and it's there and we're going to talk all about kind of the foundation of that so yeah uh, i think somebody wanted to call it song of sexy <laughs> but we'll go with song of song so you can hashtag song of sexy if you want but there you go it's nice, <laughs> nice. It, should, it should be fun yeah it promises to be a great series and you mentioned the marriage course with alpha you guys are going to be doing that i think starting in yeah. february we did that in our last church a number of times. Cool. Amazing course. I would encourage all of you, if you've not taken the marriage course, or even if you have, great opportunity to be, uh, to be refreshed. We, it, you, we need you just to come. This is so great. This is all this publicity of some of the things we're doing. It's so great. I love oh, it. Sure. Just, I think we have a, tw- a dozen c- couples already signed up. So it's oh, that's, cool. So sign up. That's you, fabulous. The, we'll throw something up right here where you can just go to a link and sign up. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So to uh, what you were asking about. So a born and raised on a farm just outside of Wallaceburg, Ontario, and uh, raised in a Christian family. Uh, certainly went through some struggles in my own faith journey and needing to make sure that it was my faith, not my parents' church or, or my parents' faith or my pastor's faith, and uh, and settled some of those things as a teenager. Then felt uh, compelled. My plan actually was to go into my dad's business, um, but while I was in high school, I felt like God was just gently pointing me towards Bible college and. And it just got stronger and stronger. And so I ended up going to uh, Bible college after high school. I was there for three years, met my beautiful wife, Val, um, just an amazing gal. By the way, we have three kids. Uh, They're just uh, awesome and seven grandkids. And oh, we're just uh, all about family. And uh, that's just a big part of who we are, marriage and family. So uh, really thankful for that. And then, as you said, um, after Bible College launched into pastoring, we were on staff at a church in Petrolia for almost six years. Then lead pastor in Huntsville, Ontario, Barrie, Ontario, and then at Parkwood in Windsor most recently. We were there for almost 23 years yeah. uh, when we got this call from our international missions director, Murray Cornelius. Yeah. Uh, who leads the missions movement for our network of churches yeah. and uh, and asked if we would ever be open to leaving a uh, pastoring to um, 
to become regional directors for Latin America, Caribbean, and to serve our global workers in that way. And so that's that's what we're doing these days. So what's that like? Because I know, knowing you growing up, I mean, especially longevity, uh, many, many of you probably even know of Parkwood Church in Windsor, great church community, a fairly large church community. What's it like after that many years to kind of transition out? Yeah, great question, Drew. A couple of things that I would say. First of all, I'm still the same person. Yeah. Like at heart, I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd, uh, but I just feel that my responsibilities has moved from parish life to missions. Um, and so now I get to pastor, to care for, to serve our global workers. And some of the national leaders in the 15 countries that we have global workers in Latin America, Caribbean. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned the network we have around the world. A lot of people don't know that our network of uh, about 1,100 churches across Canada, uh, we have uh, missionaries or global workers. And we say global workers now more than missionary because yeah. in some countries, the word missionary is not well received for, sure. for obvious reasons. Totally understood. Right. Yeah. But we have global workers in 65 to 70 countries, a total of about 300 and amazing stories uh, from all around the world. And so broken into four regions, Africa, Eurasia, Southeast Asia, Latin America, Caribbean, cool. and each of the regions has a regional director, somebody to oversee the, the global workers in those regions. So that's what Val Amazing. and I do. I, I've shared with you, you know, a lot of people, because it's not on the door necessarily, the network that we're a part of. We talk about it a little bit, but this is a great opportunity, I think, for us to hear. One of the things I love about the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is obviously the vast amount of churches we have and the community we have as a fellowship. But the thing that blows my mind is the amount of global work that happens. It is like even, uh, and we're gonna talk about this in a bit, one of the things we're gonna do this year at Praxis, the hope is, is to partner with a family on the field and uh, as global workers. And we're just discerning that right now. But as I've been looking and we've partnered with people in the past, the amount of people and resource, it is, it's, it's, I'm phenomenal. Like I was just blown, like uh, over the holidays, just sitting and scrolling and looking at the different stories and the people that are just giving their lives in the different parts of the world. It's even in your own region, it's, right. it's phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. And what a lot of people don't understand, Drew, when our network of churches started over a hundred years ago, yeah. and you think yeah, about that, that's crazy yeah, in yeah. itself. But one of the reasons that network started as, as a baby organization was to pool missions resources yeah. because our forefathers felt we could do way more together than we could separately. And because of that, that being one of our earliest focus, it's part of the DNA yeah. of who we are as a network of churches. Yeah. And so it's just awesome to see and how that has uh, grown and blossomed and developed and continued. And I mean, you and I, we could just tell stories all day yeah. about what God is doing all around the world. And the phenomenal thing is we get to be a part of it. Yeah. Like Praxis, mm. your church is a part of this. Mm. You're engaged, your, your investment, your prayers, your encouragement. Like you guys are in part of this worldwide movement. That's awesome. I think that's, that, that's got to be some perspective for us um, in the pace. And being a younger community, like I think we're still quite young as far as the age of our community. 
um, you know, the hustle, we get it, the hustle and bustle of life, yeah. every, trying yeah. to get our roots deep. Yeah. We're obviously a community that doesn't have a building or an office or, you know, some of, some of these, what sometimes churches can look at as landmark things. And yet that kind of perspective to show like we're a part of something really beautiful and vast right. and all over the world is I think something that, um, again, over the holidays is just something that has fueled me a little and encouraged me and just talking to you so beautiful. Talk to me about uh, what the day-to-day -day then is for you and Val and just the role. And I mean, obviously it's different right now with COVID, but. Yeah, very, very different. Yeah. Uh, so we launched in two and a half years ago. We said, go in fact, it was three years ago this uh, month in January that we said goodbye to our ch a church family. It took us an, uh, a few months. Uh, we had to uh, get our support uh, raised and in place, which is another phenomenal story, miraculous of God's grace and provision, uh, story for another day. Um, but then we launched uh, May 1st. So our goal in the first year was to get to meet, because a lot of our global workers we had heard of, but it never met, because sure. they're from all across Canada. Yeah. And uh, so Val and I made a commitment that in the first year or so, we wanted to be in all 15 countries and personally meet every one of our global workers and start to see the work they were doing. Drew, it, is, it was fantastic. So you did that? You were able to we that. did wow. it. We've been, cool. in, we've been in all the uh, countries and with all of our global workers at least once, some twice, and some three times. So uh, we've been, uh, again, we pastored in Windsor for so long, and we kept that as our home base. But again, maybe another story for another day. We just felt that God had launched us into a new season, and somehow or another, for some reason, we felt that God, as part of that season, wanted us to move out of Windsor. So we're right now are discerning where we're going to end up. And as it turned out, uh, my younger brother had a condo that he's not using in downtown London. Yeah. And I said, hey, can we rent that for a little while? He said, absolutely. So good. Not far from where we got like on a normal right. year, right. a normal time, right. and not far from Goodwill Industries, which is cool. Yeah, and so. loving being yeah. in London and connecting yeah. with pastors and leaders and just the feel of the city. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we've spent time in all of the countries. We usually go from between in each country from a few days to a several days because our global workers, they're, they're busy. Sure. And, and we're not there to do the work for them. We're there to make sure that first of all, they're doing okay. And so, yeah, we just travel from, uh, from country to country and uh, it, it's just been a great journey. Amazing, yeah. amazing. You know, one of the things that we're in a global pandemic and it's affected the world uh, we don't need to waste time on saying nobody would have ever expected this right because it's true um you know one of the conversations i feel like we don't have a little bit and i get it in a time like this we become very consumed and concerned with ourselves and right. i get it uh, i have four kids right now doing virtual school and uh, you know we begin to think about our context in the West, and there's worry about the future sometimes and all that, but one of the conversations that isn't being had sometimes is the global poor, the, the, our brothers and sisters around the world 
who are uh, affected by this. Talk, talk to us, because I think you have a bit of a thumb on just what's happening in your region with COVID and some of the things that you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really quite sobering because in many of the countries, they don't have the social support that we do in Canada. You know, so many people are talking about CERB and uh, CEWS and some of sure. the other things the government provides for us that we're so thankful for. Um, but in many of these countries, our global workers are there in situations and, and various levels of lockdown and, and direction from the government. The governments are trying to do their best yeah. in, in, in these countries. But, but for some of them, Drew, for some of these people, it's all good and well to say, you need to stay at home. But for some of them, literally, they live moment by moment, day by day. Yeah. And if they stay home, they don't eat. Yeah. In fact, in fact, uh, several of our global workers have had to pivot some of their responsibilities and literally are helping to feed thousands of people. Just last month, a container, like you talk about the connection of Canada yeah. and the generosity. Uh, some business people out west arranged a container of food from Gleaners Canada, which is another amazing organization. Yeah. And they shipped that food down to the Dominican. Our global workers received it. And on that one container, one million wow. servings of soup. Wow. One million. Wow. Think about how many people they were able to help. Man. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, one of the beautiful things about our global workers and how they work in the Dominican and in most of the countries is they don't distribute the food themselves. They tend to do it through the local churches and the pastors. Yeah. So, so we're serving the global workers. The global workers are serving wow. churches and, and pastors who are reaching their communities Amazing. so that it doesn't become so dependent on the West. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You were sharing with me a little bit. Uh, it is different, though, like uh, some of the need to the point where people will mark themselves. Yeah, yeah. In, in a couple of the countries where our global workers are, if there's a family that comes just to the end of their resources, they don't have any other family, they don't have any other farm connections, they're at the end of it, yeah. and they don't have work, they can't go to work, then they put a white flag on their house. Yeah. And, and we have a few of our global workers, and more so some of their pastors, that when they're driving around, they look for white flags. Crazy. It's sobering. Yeah, yeah. It's sobering. Yeah, and I, I again, I, I just think some of that perspective, again, we, you know, I totally get uh, our knee-jerk to think about ourselves, and we're in a pretty fortunate uh, place right. here where right. uh, obviously it's been tough across the world and tough in our own city. There's um, people that have lost their jobs, and there's all sorts of economic, psychological, all sorts of disorientation. But I also think these types of stories need to be told in the work that's happening and some of the things that people are experiencing across the world. No, absolutely. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the things that's so important, uh, Drew, is that we understand that our draw to missions and to reach out, sharing the love of Jesus in all sorts of ways, sharing the truth of God's word, caring for them, uh, water filters, food, yeah. as I've met, all these things, 
Is this, is this something that was created in Canada? Is this just some idea, say, that the leadership of our network yeah. uh, created? But really, this is what Jesus called us to do. For sure. In, in fact, when Jesus uh, was on earth, uh, I think it's often John 17, or I didn't uh, intend on talking about this piece of it this morning, but uh, uh, Jesus said, no, he was getting his disciples ready. He said, just so you know, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, yeah. like powerful. So, so this is now sometime later. Jesus now has gone to the cross. They buried him the, or, or put him in the tomb, the resurrection. Yeah. which is the great clinching yeah. uh, evidence of uh, the truth and the, uh, one of the primary reasons we believe in the reality of Christ. Sure. Um, and then he has uh, several days connecting with many people, uh, demonstrating the proof of the resurrection. And now he's coming to his last moment yeah. on earth. Like, Drew, you think about this. This is Jesus last moment yep. on earth he, and he pulls his disciples in close uh my mom died uh, almost four years ago and i remember because she was quite sick and we knew unless god intervened she was uh, gonna pass on she was older lived a great life and uh, but i i found myself wanting to and several of us it was 12 kids in our family were quite a brood <laughs> um, but we just wanted to spend time with mom to support her but I was also listening closely to what she had to say. Hmm. She said some very valuable things because she knew she was going. Yeah. Very impacting. Oh. Jesus, when you think of all the things that he taught, and I've actually thought, like if I was Jesus, now there's a scary thought <laughs> for you. If I was Jesus and, and I had been investing and, and all the teaching, all the miracles, all the things, all the things I had confronted and yeah. de dealt with, and I was preparing to transition, and I brought in my closest team and said, okay, here's my parting directive to you. Yeah. What would I say? Well, the more important question is what did Jesus say? For sure. So we pick it up in Acts chapter 1. And, and again, so he says, I think it's on in verse 4 there somewhere. So stay in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power, the Holy Spirit. So he went back to the former teaching. And now he's actually building the bridge yeah. between him and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So wait there now, because I told you I'm going to go, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So wait there until you've been endued with power. And then in verse 8, he gives this stunning verse yeah. and when you receive power you will be witnesses yeah. in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the world and drew with that he was gone yeah that was the final directive so of course there's no perfect organization uh, on earth For but sure. I'm so thankful that we belong to a network of churches that grabbed that yeah yeah for sure and and is committed to Jesus direct I mean lots of things we're we're committed to of course yeah but we haven't missed that critical mandate of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street across the city across the country
and across the world. You know, I think of, uh, and this is just a side note, I, I think too of the disciples, like the disciples, what's going on as they see Jesus ascend and leave this message. But as well, I think one, I forget who it was, theologian, thinker, teacher, just talked about how Jesus wasn't omnipresent. Right. He right. was in one place at one time. Right. And now the quantity of his mission, right? Yes. I think there was so much confusion. The disciples like, what is going on here? We have given our allegiance to you. You're going to set up shop here. Right. And yet Jesus knew it was better. And it's just mind-blowing to think that. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, here we are a couple thousand years later. Um, you know, the spiritual religious tide in Canada has changed dramatically. I mean, you've right. seen this through, you know, I'm sure your own ministry in life, uh, pastoring and leading. We have a younger church plant, a community that endeavors to do good. I think everybody can say yes and amen to that. Um, why does this matter? I know, I, mean, I know you've shared from Acts 1-8, but why does this matter? And, and maybe even further, what, what could we be attentive to through this whole idea of global work and global missions? Yeah, great, great question, Drew. Like, how does this come right down to 2021, yeah. January the 10th, yeah. Praxis Church, London, Ontario? What does this yeah. mean? Well. We can talk about so many things. Geographically, Jesus laid it out. Mm. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the world, as we've already said. So, so it's, it starts at home, but it doesn't stay at home. Then we reach mm. out. And, and I personally think, you know, speaking to the, um, the point of intentionality, I think it's important that uh, pastors, leaders, and churches consider uh, that they have an impact in all four quadrants. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening at home? What level of, of outreach? And Val and I, although we are very committed, obviously, our job right now is in, in a much larger context. We're very committed to sharing the love of Jesus yeah. in all four quadrants. Yeah. But some people think it's either or. Sure. It's either all at home or all the, the nation around the yeah. no it, it, it it's all of those things for sure and then i love how the book of acts unfolds because it, there's very practical things that they did that that released them and impacted the mission first of all one of the things that's very cool in acts chapter 13 i think it's the church of antioch there yeah, yeah. and there's a group of five or six people that gathered to pray um and they're, they're in this season of fasting and prayer. So yeah. in, in our focus on, on missions, you know, it's interesting. We often pray asking God and, about things that he can do for us. Yeah. Interesting in this prayer meeting, uh, maybe some of that was included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Holy Spirit stepped in and said, no, we can do for you. it's... it's yeah. I want you guys to do something. Yeah. Whoa. Well, what is it? <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I want, I want Paul and Barnabas set aside for missions. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So they prayed and they fasted. Yeah. And then in the very next verse or two, it says they laid hands on them. They sent and they went. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there's this church at Antioch 
in its early stages. And see, I love how, again, your intentionality yeah. and how you are wanting to, you're wanting the church, Drew, certain things that are so fundamental. You want them part of your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're talking now. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because you feel it on your heart. And I know that your church has been involved in missions over the years. Yeah. And you want that to continue to grow. For sure. It's fantastic. It's amazing, too, with that church, just uh, with Paul and Barnabas, uh, just the tip into the Mediterranean. Like some of the practices. I think even there's another point in Acts where it talks about them just being like hyper-devoted to the scriptures. Yeah. And these practices of, you know, these practices that then led these guys to go. And it was really the inroads to the Mediterranean where, you know, the, wor the world tipped upside down. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. And of course, From one little church, right? Yeah. yeah. And of course, all that was coincidental. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That church was there for a purpose. Yeah. yeah. A purpose, and so is Praxis yeah. Church. And it's, and it, I think of Antioch too. It's such a great example. Like not massive amounts of people. Right? Right. These are little hubs that uh, it was the tipping point to send these guys. It's amazing. Right. Talk to me um, and talk to us just about the, just the role of generosity in this. Because I know, uh, just knowing you over the years, I know that you model that. I also know that. The fingerprints of a lot of the churches that you led over the years were incredibly generous communities. You know, one thing we say around practice a lot is we we take the stewardship side very, very seriously. We want to steward our stuff really well. We live very simply, not just pushing people and inviting people to live simply as individuals, but I think we've done a really great job at practicing that um, as a community. We don't have a massive budget, I've already said. We don't have a lot of overhead, different things. I've even said over the years, and, and I believe this to be true, like our our budget, that if we brought in uh, even double our budget, there wouldn't be many more dollars that would have to go to even see our community continue a lot of that could just go right out but i know generosity has been beautifully just displayed in your own life and ministry talk about the role of that yeah i yeah. appreciate it. well let me go back to the book of acts yeah, first yeah. and then kind of go on a journey uh, sure. with you and you're you're pushing some some <laughs> buttons here of great passion and excitement know, for me yeah. as you've already said so feel free to flag me down at so, any point because we sure. don't want to be here all day or maybe we do <laughs> Uh, but in the book of Acts, again, so they prayed and they fasted. Yeah. They sent and they went, and they gave generously. Yeah. I, I love it. It's in uh, Acts 4, 36, 37, uh, Barnabas. Uh, it says that he sold a field and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Yeah. Drew, I love that. Yeah. There was no production. Sure. There was no, uh, uh, forgive me, but there was no names up on a building. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, he laid it at their feet. Amazing. All of it. Amazing. It's just stunning the yeah. level of generosity that flowed through the early church. It was right in their DNA, which shouldn't surprise us because it's a theme throughout Scripture, interestingly, that many people miss. John the Baptist is, is out in the wilderness uh, preaching. And John the Baptist, we know, is, had this prophetic voice. The mantle on him was to prepare the way for Jesus. Yeah. So he's out in the wilderness preaching. 
and, and he's preparing that there's going to be a transition here. We're going to move from kind of a religion-focused thing to a relationship-focused thing. People were flocking out of the city, including some religious people, very religious people. And John somehow knew that they were there and he addressed those people, these religious people, right head on. And he said, you people are snakes. Yeah. You're snake. Like this is not a real <laughs> church growth sermon <laughs> no, here. No doubt. He confronted them because he knew their hearts were yeah. not in the right place. Yeah. And they were so moved, Drew, by his words. Yeah. They were so impacted. I think this is on in Luke 3, verses 10, 11, somewhere in there. And they said, well, John, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Now, again, if I was John, I would say, repent. Or I, 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 John said, if you've got food, share it. Right. And if you've got two coats, Give one away. Yeah. At the very root of the message yeah. was generosity. Yeah. Well, then Jesus comes on the scene and he's preaching his inaugural message. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, while well, he's laying everything out and then he pauses and said, friends, you can't love God and money. Yeah. He leans right into it. Yeah. And, and by the way, just to pause and say, God is so generous. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we see Jesus picks up this. God's all over it. Yeah. Well, then Paul now, who did so much of the foundation laying yeah. for the early church. There's so many passages we could go to. My personal favorite, 2 Corinthians. He's confronting some issues in the Corinthian church. And in verse, in, in, sorry, in chapter 8, he leans into this talk. He goes almost two chapters talking yeah. about generosity. And, and that's, that's with, with a, a like a fairly poor church or churches in Macedonia, Macedonia right? Well, talking, that, yeah. that's the crazy thing. Yeah. His illustration in the early verses of chapter 8 He's saying to the Corinthians, I want to tell you about the churches in Macedonia yeah, yeah. as an encouragement to you now. So, well, what about the churches in Macedonia? And there's two things that he says about them. Number one, that they're poor. Yeah. And number two, they're having a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, when I think about that, when I read it now, I think, a COVID. I'm thinking I, I, pandemic. Because think, I've done some work on this in seminary, actually. I think a lot of people think it was a plagueish type thing. There's some, there's some, they would for sure. But yeah, like, I mean, yeah, yeah to, just to affirm that. Like, there are legitimate people that have leaned into this contextually and said it, it had to be something like that. Great they, trials. Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Paul is saying, great trials. Yeah. They're carrying a huge load. They don't have a lot of resources. Now, not all of us, but most of us, have quite a few resources, yes, but certainly we're like the Macedonian, like we're in difficult days. And, and people might say to you, Drew, what, why are you talking about generosity? Sure. Are, are, are you not aware that there's a pandemic? Yeah. Are you not aware that we don't have 
maybe as much income as we did or we don't have the confidence or we really don't know where all this is going to end up. Oh yeah, we're aware. In fact, in fact, I think it behooves us. Oh, there's a word for you. <laughs> word of the day, right? Word of the day, <laughs> behooves. I, it, for us, this is our moment. Yeah, it is. Anybody can be generous this when everything's going, going well. This, and, and I'm so excited, Drew, that you're leaning into yeah. this now. Yeah. Like this, this is, is our moment. This is our moment. So, so these two, they're poor. A lot of problems, trials, whatever, afflictions, one uh, version says. But the two things that he says comes out of those people that are facing those two things, great joy and great generosity. Yeah. Now, come on now, Drew. That, that will preach yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. So many of yeah. us are driven by our circumstances. I, 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 happiness is different than joy. Absolutely. Happiness to me is more tied to circumstances. But joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. And as so these good. people, in the face of the challenge, they said, no, our God is bigger. We're going to respond in yeah. joy and in generosity. To the point where a few verses later, Drew, they begged. To give. Like, come on. Yep. They begged. Yep. They, they, were, they would have been upset yep. if their leaders did not allow them to step up to a new level of generosity. Now, that's a little different than what most of us are facing these days. Sure. So good. I mean, it's just, just incredible. So then in verse 7, sorry, no, you, you've no, got me going no, here. Keep going. So then in verse 7, uh, Paul says, so I want you to excel. Mm, and he mentions six things that, he, that they should excel, like in faith and in love yeah. and in passion and uh, the, these things. And, and actually, just thinking about your, your, uh, your focus on simplicity some of that is wrapped right up there in that verse, of For course. Sure. But then he said, I want you to excel in this grace also. Giving. Yeah. Giving. Yeah. So all three of the churches where Val and I lead pastor yeah. had recently built, That's right. have a fair bit of debt and some discouragement relating to the debt. In our first church, it was tens of thousands. The next uh, church, it was hundreds of thousands. And in our last church in Windsor, it was millions, literally millions of dollars that in, the church in owed yeah. in, in debt. Yeah. And, and challenging, challenging days, um, particularly in Windsor. But, but Drew, all I can say is we honored God with joy and generosity as we sowed in as we increased our missions budget, as we blessed other churches and pastors, as we looked outside the walls to how we could bless our community and our world. It, it yeah. stunning. Yeah. Well, I know how, some of these stories. Well, exactly. And, and at Windsor, the mortgage was built, uh, was, sorry, the mortgage from the building was burned. Praise God. It yeah. took us a number of years. But one of the keys to that was giving money away. Yeah. Backwards. Yeah. It's yeah. upside yeah. down. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It wouldn't totally make sense on a business plan. But it yeah. does. Yeah. And so when we sow in with generosity, so it good. releases something in the supernatural. And, and that's, 
I, Val and I, in, in this season, of course, we're called to missions and we serve our global work, as we've already said. But a big part of it, Val and I felt right from the start, is the role that we can have with churches in Canada yeah. to encourage them towards generosity and what God wants to do in and through their churches. So good. I think one of the things that you said here, uh, this is when you talk about these churches, this is our moment. Uh, I really feel like this is an our moment kind of moment. I really do. I'm just so thankful that you've come and shared with us. Um, we did want to let you guys know, like we are going to this year step into um, supporting uh, global workers. And we want to do this as a community. We've done so many great local things and that won't stop. One of the things we want to edge to, and listen, we're a new church. Um, we even still get some support from our own uh, network. But one of the things that we've always wanted to do is make sure that from the beginning that we were postured outward. And we're trying our best to etch to that 10% mark um, as we live simply. And I mean, we have bigger dreams than that. But we're also walking in, you know, in light of what we have, what God's blessed us with. But we just want to invite you into this. Uh, for the first time now in some of our giving and online, you'll be able to give to Global Missions. We're going to make that available and make sure that that's an opportunity. And we don't know today, this is going to be a little bit of a process, but we will bring uh, our crew and our community up to speed over the next little while on um, where some of that will be directed, and we'll bring you into that. But globally, I just know we're a part of a great network, a great movement of people, um, and we just want to, I think this has really helped cultivate, this discussion has been so good, just around why, why global missions? Well, it's rooted right in the heart of God. And the generous piece, maybe for you, you're just sitting and you, again, you, you may be feeling like, man, this, these are very uncertain times. We totally get that. Um, we want to be wise, but I also think as a community, we want to really practice this now, even when there's some uncertainty for sure. So I think um, it was intentional to have you come and just mm -hmm. start this discussion and I think just cultivate some ground for us because I think it's important to, to hear voices and stories and you just encourage us so much. I, I would love just w with us, with open posture, that you pray for us. Sure. And then I would just love to pray and close by praying for you and Val. Oh, yeah. love would that. You, I, I know this Thank is kind of, you know, where you are. Uh, maybe you just want to put yourself in a, a place to receive. Maybe open your arms, your hands, yeah. and uh, Mark's going to pray for us. Well, Lord, thank you. We are so humbled and honored to belong to you. Lord, every season, as we read in Ecclesiastes 3, the seasons, and you make things uh, beautiful in your time. God, you have brought us to this moment. This is the church's moment. Probably never been more challenging, but like the churches in Macedonia stepped up in their moment, and here we are in London, Ontario, talking about those churches 2,000 years later because they stepped into their moment. So God, we're stepping into our moment. Individual for, uh, for uh, uh, people who are single, uh, I love the care in this body for single people and the incredible value that they are for couples, for families, for extended families. God, every one of our realities you breathe into and you call us forward in those realities. God, this morning over Praxis Church, I speak grace, 
blessing and generosity. Thank you for the steps of generosity they've taken in their yesterdays. Thank you for the foundation that has already been established. But now as Drew and the leadership team calls them to a whole new level, I pray that this community would not just feel the responsibility, but the incredible joy. And as they lean forward, Lord, the, the release of the Spirit of God in this whole area of generosity and blessing. Thank you for what you are birthing in this church family. God, we pray for generosity for every person. As a, as a preacher friend send, has said a long time ago, generosity isn't something we want from you. Generosity is something we want for you. God, I speak generosity over everyone in this beautiful church family and every person listening today, all of it for your glory alone. In Jesus' name. And Father, we just pray right now for Mark and Val. Yes. For this responsibility. Uh, we think of our churches and the mm. communities and the global workers all throughout uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. We think of the season we're in and we just pray that um, your healing would come across every land and you would use every word, mm -hmm. conversation, uh, leadership moment, every guiding that Mark and Val would give to this region for your glory. And, I thank you for the, the life well lived and the things we've mm. even learned today from your scripture and in challenging us. And I just pray that they would go and continue to be a support to global workers around the world, but ultimately God as well to challenge the nations in uh, their, their role and their responsibility in living under your rule and yes. And so God, we just receive you, what you Lord. have for us and we pray blessing on Mark and Val and everything that they say and do in the coming weeks and months. And we pray this in your name, King Jesus, knowing you're good. And I hope you can say with us wherever you're, you are watching from. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us. And guys, we just pray you have an amazing week as we prepped at the beginning of this. We are really excited about the coming days uh, and what we can do as a community and being generous. We're excited as well next week to launch a brand new series on the book of Song of Songs. We hope you can join us. We will be back on Zoom in the same kind of room together. We love you guys. Have an amazing week and we will see you soon. Grace and peace.